Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and we are inching ever so close to All Hallows' Eve, or as we all know it, Halloween. A time for tricks and treats, a time for ghouls and goblins. It's time to remember an era long past. An era that conjures image around those huddled around large bonfires to scare away the evil spirits, or just maybe those are witches, dancing around the flames as they get ready for an All Hallows' Eve sacrifice. It's the time of year when the veil between the living and the dead, the veil between this world and the next, becomes its thinnest and every once in a while something ghoulish reaches its hand through the veil and grabs a hold of your throat. It's time for Halloween at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, and today we have an extra special item, not an item for purchase. No, you cannot procure this item. This is an item near and dear to my heart, but I will share it with you. It's a book of memories. Of course, as you leaf through the pages, you see some pictures, various places I've lived over the years and roads I've traveled over the years. But some of these pictures uh, are a bit odd. I'm just starting to notice that some of these images of places I've lived in years past have ghostly images dancing just beyond the periphery, maybe some in a far dark corner of a window. Yes, I am no stranger to having a haunted past. In this episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, we are going to take a look at some of my own experiences with the paranormal. Now, growing up in northwestern Pennsylvania, it's a very eerie time of year once you hit Halloween. I've talked about this before, about the leaves all falling from the trees and twisted boughs of death hanging in the air as you get ready for trick-or-treat on Halloween night, or as we did here in northwestern Pennsylvania, we trick-or-treated the Thursday before Halloween. But it was always a, a gray and melancholy, a, a frightening time of year for me as a child. And maybe that is probably what opened the door to my experiences with the paranormal. I know my family always grew up with tales from aunts, and uncles and my father had paranormal experiences. Now, I don't remember any as a child. Uh, I, I was scared enough as it was. In, in spite of my love of horror, uh, it really set the table for me to have a, a healthy amount of fear of those dark places, even though I always ended up exploring them and, and getting myself into trouble. But never really had any experiences or brushes with the paranormal that I can remember as a child. It wasn't until I became much older and we moved from our place in northwestern Pennsylvania down to a small town just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. When we moved to North Carolina, we stayed probably the better part of a year while my dad was looking for work and we were trying, you know, my parents were saving up to get us a place of our own and we were staying at my grandparents. Now, the split-level home that my grandparents lived in, not an old home by any stretch of the imagination, which led me to wonder about this first ever real paranormal experience that I ever experienced as to why it would happen. Because, like I said, it wasn't an old home. It wasn't a home full of history. And it was probably something probably built in the 60s, maybe even in the 70s. No real talk of any deaths occurring in the home. But there was a little bit of information that I became aware of later that started making the whole thing uh, make sense. Now, I will preface this with, you know, these accounts of mine are hand to God, the truth. These things actually happened to me. 
You might not believe it. I have no way of proving it. You may or may not believe what I'm saying, but uh, I, I give you my word that these stories are uh, nothing but true experiences that happened to me. And the first one was probably one of the more frightening things that that I experienced in this house of my my grandparents, the split-level home. I was in bed one night, and the bed that I was sleeping in, it was, I don't know if it was, it was probably a full-size bed. It was an old metal-framed bed with a metal head and footboard. And as I was laying there one night, all of a sudden, the bed started shaking. It was as if somebody was at the foot of the bed, And they grabbed a hold of the footboard and just started shaking it back and forth. Now, I I don't know what reason this would happen. Uh, There was no earthquakes reported. It was the south, so we rarely had the the heat or the air conditioning running at at this time of year. I'm pretty sure it was probably uh, more towards the fall. Uh, but even still, you know, there was no history of the the air conditioning, the central air, or the heating unit causing any, any vibrations in the house. It had never happened before, and I, I don't believe it happened again. It, it may have happened one other time, but I, I don't remember that. I'm probably trying to block it out. But one of the scariest things is sitting there in that bed, lying there in that bed, and having it shake as if somebody is sitting there jiggling the bed back and forth and it wasn't just a slight tremor it was it was an audible shake the bed like i said it was this metal frame and it creaked and squeaked lord knows what my parents in the next room thought i might have been doing in there but it it was just a, a surreal experience and like i said probably the first experience with something paranormal that i i can recall and it was frightening lying there almost in in fear a petrified fear that uh, this is going on and like i said there was no explanation for it and it must have lasted it, it felt like an eternity but it was probably only 20 30 seconds um maybe a little longer maybe a little shorter i i, I can't remember specifically this has been quite some time i was probably 15 16 at the time that this happened but i i couldn't understand why it would happen i couldn't understand why there would be anything paranormal going on in my my grandparents house like i said it wasn't an old home it would be one thing it was some creepy old victorian home with a a a lot of history but this house seemed relatively new new newish you know within the past 20 years or so this being the late 80s I did find out later that that bed had been in my great aunt's house. It was a part of her estate, and when she passed, it passed on to my grandmother, as as a lot of the stuff that they had was passed down, like you do with families. You know, somebody passes away, and uh, all their possessions are are divvied up amongst the family. But my grandmother got this bed frame, and I, I found out later, I don't know which relative but a relative did die in that bed. Again, I, I can't uh, I can't recall ever hearing a name. Oh, I did hear a name, but I, it's it's no no one that I remember specifically a great grandmother or a great great uncle or aunt something something along those lines. But uh, it was a very chilling moment when I was explaining what was going on and asked where did this bed come from and to find out it came from my great aunts and one of my older relatives did pass away and it it started making a lot of sense now that's not the only bit of paranormal activity if you will that i experienced in my grandparents house there was one time probably a few years later i was in college and my parents were separated and they kind of both went their separate ways and I was still living at home and they were getting rid of the place we were living in and I had to go find some place to make my residence and as a college kid who was broke I went back to my grandparents and asked if I could stay with them until I 
could get myself on my feet. And of course, they obliged, and I was back up in that room that I had the first paranormal experience. Well, I believe it was a holiday, probably Thanksgiving, maybe maybe Christmas. I think it may have been Christmas. This would have been in 94. Um, I'm, I'm thinking probably 1994, maybe 1995. And every one of my family members that were, were living in North Carolina at the time, my grandparents, my mom, my brother, they were all going up to Maryland or Delaware. I believe it was Delaware where my sister and her husband and their family were stationed. And I was working at a record store at the time and I could not go. So I stayed. Uh, one of my best friends was living, lived down the street. And so, you know, I figured I'd hang out with him and, and spend Christmas with his family. So one night as I'm lying in bed, I start hearing voices in the downstairs. The, the living room was situated right below myself, my bedroom and my grandparents' bedroom, which was directly adjacent to mine. And I could hear two voices downstairs talking. And I'm like, oh my God, somebody broke in. What am I going to do? And of course, I'm scared out of my wits because I don't know who's down there. I don't know what they're doing. I didn't hear anybody break in. I didn't hear any glass break. There was a sliding glass door downstairs. The, the only other place would have been the front door or the back door. Those were those were all locked. The sliding glass door was locked. It had a, uh, a big wooden post that we we slid down into the track so you couldn't open it and it was locked as well i had no idea how somebody got in and i couldn't make out what the voices were saying i i don't know whether it was muffled because of the you know it being downstairs and me being upstairs and, and coming through the floor or i i almost it almost felt and sounded like it was two people speaking a foreign language. Something like Spanish is the only thing I could equate it to. So I jumped out of bed quick enough to lock my door, the bedroom door, and jumped back in bed because I, I just didn't know what to do. I, I was so scared that this was going on. And I, I don't know how I ended up falling asleep that night, but I did, probably from exhaustion. And when I woke up the next morning, I thought, well, uh, nobody broke into my bedroom. Let me go downstairs and see what's what's stolen or, or how they got in. Uh, I go downstairs and the front door is locked. The back door is locked. I go down to the sliding glass door expecting to see it ajar. Maybe the, the post that we had down on the track got knocked out. It was still in place. The sliding glass door was locked. Nothing was torn asunder. Nothing was out of place. I had no idea how this happened or, or what happened. I don't remember if it was the next night or maybe uh, the night after that. But I ended up spending... My grandfather had a 410 in his bedroom. I loaded it and kept it in my room. And for the next two nights, I... I slept with my door locked and the gun right beside my bed. And I don't think both nights, but I'm pretty sure one of those two nights, I heard those same voices. Again, I, I didn't have the, the courage to go downstairs to confront whoever I thought was there because, you know, like I said, I heard these voices the night before. And the next day, I, I found that there was nothing that was there. So I think Probably the fact that it was some sort of spirit or ghost or, or whatever you want to call it frightened me even more than the fact that an intruder might be down there. And, and again, I, I hear these voices. It sounded like two people talking. It was very conversational. Like I said, it, it sounded like a foreign language, so I couldn't tell what was being said, but it sounded like two distinctly different voices having a conversation. One person says something, another answers, and and vice versa. It was probably uh, one of the one of the more terrifying nights I've ever spent. Wouldn't be my last terrifying night I've ever spent, but it was it was to that point even more frightening than having that bed shake the way it did uh, some years earlier. 
And to this day, I have no explanation as to how that happened. The TV was not on. You can't chalk it up to that. There was, this is a quiet neighborhood and people looked out for one another. If somebody was lurking around and maybe they were outside the, the, the house talking, somebody would have said something. Somebody would have called the cops. Somebody would have Somebody would have noticed, I would have noticed being able to hear somebody speaking outside my bedroom window. I would have, I would have been able to tell the difference between that and it sounding like somebody was in the living room beneath my floor. And that's where it sounded like that was coming from. Again, I'm not saying it was paranormal. I'm not saying it was a ghost. Uh, I think it was, but I have no other explanation, no earthly explanation why this happened and again one of the one of the more frightening things I, i've ever experienced uh like i said not the last time i've had a, an experience in the middle of the night that scared the bejesus out of me but uh but this definitely ranks up there among them now it had been quite some time from my time in north carolina to when i had my next paranormal experience uh you know we we didn't really have anything go wrong in the house that we lived in prior to this last experience i bounced around from from place to place and never really had any any more experiences in north carolina until i moved back up to pennsylvania in 1998 uh it was probably september of 98 somewhere around that time late august early september yeah i believe it was late august uh, because i remember i i moved up the day after mark mcguire broke roger maris's home run record and uh remember getting the uh, copy of the usa today on my way up to pennsylvania as i moved up here and i moved into an apartment well, it was probably my second apartment. I, I lived in an apartment off my uncle's house uh, for a little bit, for about a year or two, and then uh, moved into another apartment once he sold his house. But uh, the apartment I lived in, strange things happened. And I didn't find out, much like the bed, I didn't find out till later that this apartment I, I lived in had a history of strange experiences. But uh, I lived in this apartment. It was kind of considered a basement apartment, but it was one of those deals where the back of the apartment, which had a sliding glass door, went out to the backyard of the apartment complex. And the interior half of the apartment was underground with the storage facility and the laundry facility adjacent to that. So it was technically a basement apartment. It was damp, like a basement apartment. But I always felt ill at ease at this apartment. And so many different things happened in this apartment. Things I had never experienced before. Some of the things I experienced would be laying in bed in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, hearing this loud crash. It was like uh, I had a bookcase full of books. It was like that crashed, or I had a big like three-tiered uh, shelving unit with a bunch of my collectibles and you know knickknacks and stuff like that on it. It was almost like that had crashed and, and fallen over for some reason. I would get up and there would be nothing wrong, nothing out of place, nothing had fallen. I, I don't know where that noise came from, and it was it was such that you know it wasn't like it happened upstairs or even next door. It sounded like it was in my apartment. And it wasn't until I watched the movie Paranormal Activity. There's a scene there where, where the exact same thing happens to those people. And I know Paranormal Activity is a Hollywood movie, but it's it's based, you know, a lot of the paranormal experiences are the paranormal experiences that people experience all the time. They're, they're prototypical paranormal incidences that they just portrayed in this movie so it, it was it was refreshing to see that i wasn't crazy that stuff like this does happen and and did happen to me and it, it wasn't the only time it, it happened on uh probably a handful of occasions i don't recall an exact number but i'm going to say uh three or four times over the uh, several years that i lived in this apartment of course i moved in there probably 
99, 2000, probably closer to 2000, and moved out of there in 2007, no, 2008. So, you know, I, I was there for quite a long time, and, and it happened several times in that span. And that was weird. That was creepy. But some of the other things that happened in this apartment, a lot of them happening at night, especially while I'm in bed. Not the same creepy uh, metal frame bed from before, uh, a different bed. But I, I remember on multiple occasions, some some occasions, I just I was afraid to sleep with the light out. It was it was that unnerving. But I, I would be lying in bed, and all of a sudden, it would feel like someone sat down on the other side of the bed. Now, this is a full-size mattress, not a queen, but a full-size. So there was room enough for, for somebody else to lie in the bed with me. But it, yeah, it would feel like somebody would sit down or it would feel like somebody would punch the mattress, just like bang, and that indentation and, and, and release real quick. Like somebody was punching the mattress, not, not a ton, just once. But yeah, between that and like I said, feeling somebody set down on the edge of the mattress on the other side of the bed was quite unnerving. But one of the most unnerving things, uh, like I said, that probably made me sleep with the light on on more than one occasion was that sometimes it would feel like somebody laid down beside me and draped their arm across my rib cage, almost like they were spooning me. That was probably one of the most bizarre sensations I have ever experienced in my life. And it's one of those situations where you just don't know what to do. Do you move? Uh, do you disturb whatever just happened or whatever is happening? Uh, I have no explanation as to why that happened. Uh, and it, it happened on more than one occasion. I mean, there were multiple nights in the time that I lived there. Uh, usually nights when I was living there by myself. Because uh, for part of the time um, that I lived in that apartment, uh, my brother moved in with me. And then his girlfriend moved in with us. And, and they stayed there for some time. And it never really happened when when they or, or my brother was was living there. It was usually the times that uh, I was living in this apartment uh, by myself, which there were, you know, I, I started out there by myself after my brother and his uh, girlfriend moved out. I was by myself for a little bit. I had another roommate for a little bit and then they moved. And so there were, there were several occasions where I was by myself and it was in those occasions where whatever it was would, like I said, lay down behind me and and drape their arm across me. And I don't know who it was. I don't know. I mean, it didn't feel like there was any ill intent there. Like I said, it was almost as if somebody was spooning me. And it, <laughs> it would be sweet if it just weren't so damn frightening. Uh, because as you're laying there in bed, you're there by yourself, and it feels like somebody lays down beside you. That is... Uh, probably uh, one of the more unnerving uh, experiences a, a body can feel because, you know, you're there by yourself. You're supposed to be by yourself and you obviously aren't. But one of the most horrifying experiences I ever experienced was again in this apartment. And again, it was at night when I'm lying in bed. Now, the bedroom I had was, I usually kept the bedroom door shut, so I didn't get any light from the from the living room or the dining area. Uh, there was one window that faced the back of the apartment uh, where it, it went out into the, the backyard of the apartment complex. And there were two large lights outside of the back door of the apartment building. So you always had a, a bit of ambient light coming in from from those two big fluorescent lights. I'm not sure exactly what kind of lights they were, but uh, big floodlights. I mean, they, they put out a lot of light. So even if you had the, the curtains drawn, or in my case, I had uh, blinds shut, uh, you, you still got some light into the bedroom. So you know, it's something you got used to. I didn't mind it. I do like my, my room to be dark when I'm sleeping. But like I said, I got used to it and it just became a part of my normal 
normal everyday living is having this light in, in my bedroom at night. Uh, it was dark enough that I, I, it wasn't keeping me awake. So you would realize my astonishment when I'm lying in bed one night and then all of a sudden the room starts to darken and it almost gets to a level of not pitch black, but almost a level of blackness. And as I'm lying there, I can feel this, for lack of a better term, this black darkness, uh, this mass of darkness over top of me. Usually I like to lay on my side and it was like it was hanging over me just inches away from like my shoulder and the rest of my body. It, it did not feel good. It felt very malevolent. It felt, for lack of a better term, and I know this probably sounds corny and cliche, but it felt evil. And I've never felt more scared in my life. I've never felt more petrified in my life, afraid to move because of this this darkness hanging over top of me. And again, it may sound cliche and it may sound kind of corny, but the only thing I could think to do was, I, I think I just kept repeating, in the name of Jesus Christ, you have no power here, be gone, or something something along those lines. I know it, it probably sounds, uh, you know, Bible thumpy or hokey or, or whatever you want to call it, but that's, that's the only thing I clung to is my faith and calling upon that to try and get rid of this, this evil feeling, this evil entity that felt like it was hanging over top of me. And I, I don't know how long I sat there repeating that. Uh, not out loud. Well, out loud, but not loudly. It was more uh, under my breath and, again, just afraid to move an inch and until this was gone. And then eventually the room lightened, the air above me lightened, and everything seemed back to normal. Again, I, I have no explanation. The level of blackness that the room got uh, aside from this black mass that was hanging over top of me, was not possible. Even with those lights being out outside my window, uh, there's no way the room could have got that dark. It was an unnatural darkness, aside from the fact that this this black mass hung over top of me. I've never really, uh, I, I guess maybe I've never looked into it because I've been afraid to. I've never read any accounts like it. I'm sure there are some out there, maybe. Uh, maybe not. But uh, it, it was one of those things where I'm almost afraid to to know what that was. Because I have no explanation for it. And there again, I'm sure uh, there's going to be skeptics out there that say, well, it could have been this, it could have been that. Like I said, there's no natural way that that light outside the window could have been doused enough to create what I experienced. The unnatural blackness of this mass hanging over top of me, even blacker than the room got. This feeling of dread, this feeling of evil that that hung over top of me. And I don't want to say it wished me harm, but it just did not feel good. And, and this wasn't the only time that it happened. Uh, I know it probably happened at least one other time, maybe a couple other times, but I know at least one other time I experienced this again. And the fact that it that happened more than once just uh, lends me to believe that it was something not of this world. And it was something that uh, I just, I cannot explain. And, and there again, I don't think I want it explained to me. Now, the thing about this whole experience that I had in this apartment, in this apartment building, is that uh, sometime later, my mother's sister, uh, her sister-in-law, her husband's sister, I found out used to live in that exact same apartment. And in talking with my aunt about me living in that apartment, she asked my aunt if I had seen any ghosts because she had experiences in that apartment uh, when she lived there. Uh, I mean, I don't know when that was. It must have been sometime prior uh, because I always knew them to live in uh, like the next town over 
for the better part of my knowing them. But at any rate, she also had paranormal experiences in that exact same apartment. And I just found that quite quite telling as to the experiences I've had. I've never really had a chance to sit down and talk with her about the experiences she had in that building, but uh, I would love to one day. And as a side note, the the building that I lived in, in that apartment complex, actually caught fire and the fire started in that exact same apartment. This guy was living there. I don't know what happened, but something caught fire and burned that whole uh, stretch of uh, apartments, uh, that one and the two on top of it. I, I almost wonder if something paranormal was going on that maybe led to that fire starting. I don't know. I, I can only imagine what uh, must have been experienced that that led to all that. Uh, or maybe it was just uh, pure coincidence and negligence on whoever was living there. But uh, I, I almost wonder if there may have not been some some paranormal influences that, that led to that apartment catching fire. Of course, they've rebuilt it since then. And uh, that's the last I've heard of that apartment. But it was uh, probably one of the more harrowing experiences I've ever uh, had in my life living in that apartment because it just nothing ever really felt at ease there. It was one of those places where you always felt like you were being watched from around corners or from around uh, bedroom doors. It was just an uneasy feeling that uh, I was happy to leave that apartment. And I think I was... I was I felt much better after I left there because it just uh, there was some negativity in that apartment and it influenced a lot of things going on in my life at that time and uh, I was so glad to, so glad to finally get out of there but that's not the only paranormal experiences I've had since moving back up to Pennsylvania because as I've talked about before my day job is in radio I've been in radio for uh, almost, well, I've been in radio over 30 years. I've been here in Pennsylvania for about 23 years. And in working in radio, it's amazing how many paranormal experiences uh, myself uh, and and others that I work with have experienced at the radio station that we work at. Now, the radio station we work at is based in a downtown mall. Uh, they actually built the radio station for that section of the mall when the mall was first constructed in, I believe, the mid-70s. And when I first started working there, I started, you know, I started low man on the totem pole. I started working overnights, uh, midnight to 6 a.m., sometimes 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, it depended on what was needed of me. And I was, you know, I was young in my mid-20s and ready to make a name for myself in radio and move up the corporate ladder and move up to uh, bigger and better air slots. And little did I know that <laughs> I was probably going to get some of my most uh, bizarre experiences with the paranormal while working there. Because when you work overnights, it's a it's quiet, lonely time. And you're usually sitting there, you know, playing your music, reading, whatever. And in the studio that I started out in, uh, there was a window by the door to the studio, which would have been to my to my right. And then straight ahead was a big series of windows that went through all the different studios. The studio I was in, there was a window into the newsroom, which on the other side of that was a window into the AM station on the far wall of the am station was a window into the rock station and uh, mine being the, the country station that i was working at at the time and you could see into all the studios and there are multiple times in that window to the right by the door to the studio you could see like shadowy figures walk past the window and of course you, you get up and you check it out did somebody come in i didn't know about go into the what we called the rack room where they had all the satellite receivers and and things of that nature uh, there was no place to go once you were in there so you, you get up and you look and nobody's in there oh that was odd and it would happen multiple times a night multiple you know nights a week multiple you know weeks a month you know that sort of thing 
it became commonplace. I remember one time kind of, you know, sitting there reading and I noticed in my periphery a figure and it wasn't on the other side of the wall or the window in front of me. It was like it was in the AM studio, which was two windows away. I, I could see the depth. I could see uh, the movement. It, it looked like it was something walking into the AM station. And of course, you get up and you go look and nobody's there. This is, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning. Uh, why would there be anybody there? And and yeah, I you would never find who you thought might be milling around the station. Because every once in a while, you would have somebody coming in, especially if you were working a Friday or Saturday night. Some of the people, sales reps or other DJs would be out partying, you know, at the bars and they would stop by the radio station to say hi, or they'd stop by the radio station to use the restroom. But we had these, this big metal door that you couldn't open or close without the loudest racket. Or when it closed, it kind of like, it, it, you know, you could tell it, uh, you needed a key to open it up. You, it was a racket opening it and it was a racket closing it. So nobody really came into the, the radio station, especially at night when there's nobody around without you noting it, without hearing it. And, and that's what it, it made it kind of, kind of creepy. It was kind of odd, unsettling that, uh, you know, I'm seeing these images. I'm seeing these shadowy figures moving about the radio station, never really getting a good look at it, but enough of a look to know that something was going on and that something was there. And and that was creepy enough, but you, you kind of got used to it after a little while. One of the, the weirdest things that ever happened to me, actually two really weird things that happened to me, was one night, it was probably in the three o'clock hour. I'm not sure exactly when, maybe two o'clock, but probably closer to three o'clock because I was going into the restroom and as I pushed the restroom door open and I just crossed the threshold, hadn't even let go of the door for it to shut yet, I hear somebody say my name, Chris. And it sounded like probably a guy. So I, I, I come back out of the restroom and I'm looking around. I go up to the door. Nobody, nobody opened it because I didn't hear anything. Uh, I went back to the sales area. There's a door back there that is always kept locked and nobody had opened that. It was still locked. I searched that station high and low and never found anybody there. There was nobody there. There could not have been anybody there, but somebody said my name. Now I'm sure you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, you're at a radio station. Maybe you just heard one of the satellite DJs or somebody said something that just sounded that's that's not the case because none of the studio monitors were turned up that loud I always made sure to turn them down so I would have to go into the studio to make sure everything is on and I didn't want to hear just a big cacophony and noise it's it's late night I wanted things quiet I wanted things peaceful so it, there's no way that it could have been just uh, maybe a stray word from one of the other stations and they were far enough away from where the restroom is that that even if the studio monitors were turned up very loud it still wouldn't have been just that audible solitary Chris that I heard uh, there's no way it could have I, I would have heard other things if it was if it was the radio if it was what was being played on on one of our other stations uh, I, I would have heard all the other noise that comes with that the music the the music beds things like that uh, commercials I, I, there was none of that and so I, I really have no explanation as to what said my name all I know is that something in that radio station other than me and other than anybody else, calling my name which is you know it's when you think about it it's it's a little creepy it's a little unnerving to think something was saying my name or trying to make contact with me which kind of leads to a, another one of my more bizarre experiences i was working a, a late saturday night show a 80s hair metal show and I would always come in early to do some show prep and work on some, you know, producing some little extra special features. 
And so I was in our production studio. And during my day shift, uh, my weekday shift, I would sometimes get pizza for lunch or dinner and have it delivered. And I happened to have some leftover. So I'm like, well, I haven't had dinner yet. I'm going to have this leftover pizza. So I'm sitting in the studio, uh, the production studio. I've got my plate with my pizza pizza on it. And I've got a container of ranch dressing to dip it in sitting beside the plate, probably about an inch or so away from the plate. And as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, I see this little plastic container of ranch dressing slide across the counter in this production studio. I was freaked out. I didn't know what to make of it. First thing I did is I I went in to the girl that was working in the country station uh, at that time. This was probably, uh, my show started at nine o'clock. So this was probably seven, eight o'clock, somewhere around there. And of course she was unfazed by it. I don't know whether she thought I was lying about it or just didn't give two squirts. Uh, I I don't know, but she was unfazed. I I thought she'd really be into what just, what just happened. But then I'm like, okay, there's got to be an explanation for this. There has to be some rational reason as to what just happened here. And so I start doing experiments. I thought, well, maybe it's the condensation on this container of ranch. Uh, So I, I slicken up the board uh, or the counter and I'm, I'm trying to slide it, trying to recreate it. No way that it was it was sliding by itself. Uh, you know, I checked the, how level it was, and while it wasn't, you know, dead nuts level, it was fairly level, level enough that uh, this thing shouldn't have moved on its own. And even with you know wetting the the countertop down uh, ridiculous with the ridiculous amounts of water, it, it shouldn't have slid like it did. Probably I don't know. I must have slid five five inches between four and six inches somewhere around there, enough to to scare the bejesus out of me and freak me out for the rest of the night because uh, you know the the girl that was working on the country station was done at like eight o'clock. And then I was there for the rest of the evening by myself, but it was a, it was a very creepy and bizarre experience. Not the last experience I had in, in the radio station. Of course, uh, there was one incident, uh, actually a couple incidents where I thought I saw my, my boss. I, you know, I'd moved on to the rock station and my program director would sometimes come in while I'm in the middle of a shift. And I always remember it because it always annoys the bejesus out of me. I'm in the middle of a break. I've got my headphones on. I'm talking. And he just busts in to put some paperwork in this rack behind me. And I'm like, can't you wait until I'm done doing my break before you come in here and try to distract me? But, <laughs> but, he, but he always did that. And I remember one day I'm sitting there doing this break. And I see my boss move past me. I'm like, oh, geez, here we go again. And, you know, it looked like him. I I could sense he has dark kind of uh, black, almost uh, slightly salt and peppery hair. Um, You know, he's about average height, probably like 5'10", maybe 5'11", somewhere around there. And, And that's what I thought I saw move past me. And, of course, knowing he's behind me just made me like, come on, are you going to sit there and watch me while I do this break? And I get finished with the break, take my headphones off. I'm paying attention now. So I would have seen him leave and I turn around and there's nobody there. I'm like, what, what the hell did I just see? I know I saw my boss walk past me and, and I, I, I can't explain that. There was another incidence where, you know, like I said, all of these studios have a, a window that you can see from one end of, of the studios to the other. Well, the AM station also has a big glass window where you can see out into the main lobby area. And if you're angled just right, you can see from that window in through the other window into the rock station. And I'm standing out there talking with somebody and we finish up what we're talking about. And I think I see my boss, my program director, in the back of the studio where he would put those 
paper, the paperwork in this this rack system we had. And so I'm going there. I'm like, what was he doing here? This is kind of late for him. I walk back into the studio and nobody's there. And just a, a very unnerving feeling when you you know you saw somebody in there and they are no longer there. It's just an unnerving feeling, uh, a frightening feeling. Now, I probably, I, I can't say that I have had any more experiences since then. And that's been at least a few years ago. I mean, probably longer than that, probably closer to six, seven years ago that I had that last experience. But I know another a friend of mine, uh, he's had a ton of experiences. He's worked those overnight shifts. He's seen the shadowy figures. Uh, he's had lights turning off and on with no explanation. Uh, I won't speak to his stories because that's just hearsay. But, uh, but I know from my stories, that is the truth as far as I know it. I'm not saying it's ghost. I'm not saying it's paranormal. I think it is, but I, I can't be 100% sure one way or the other. I, I just don't know. I can't explain the things that happen. And then, uh, of course, there was one one more incident that this one is more, not so much a scary incident, but an incident all the same. Of course, I'm living in this new apartment and in the town that I'm living in now with my wife. I had just been there for probably a couple years now. And a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, she passed away unexpectedly. And I was I was torn up over it because her and I were very close. And she was just one of my best friends. It was really hard. Uh, I, I took her death very hard because, like I said, it was unexpected. We were very close. We got each other through some very tough times. And I'm sitting in my apartment. Uh, the TV's off. And I'm reading, doing something. And I look up in the reflection of the TV behind me. I see this white figure. Uh, not a person, per se. Uh, not a mist, but just this long white shape move across the room and behind me. I don't know what it was. Uh, I have no explanation for it. I'd like to think that it was my friend, uh, Carrie, as she was saying goodbye or, or whatever. But uh, it, it wasn't a scary situation. And I like to think that maybe maybe that was her way of of saying goodbye uh, to a friend. So uh, that's probably one of the last impactful paranormal experiences I've had. Now I've had some other little things here and there that have happened. Uh, again, things that maybe could be explained, but I can't explain them. Uh, maybe that's for another show. I'm going to talk about one more experience I had as a kid uh, here in Pennsylvania that... Not necessarily paranormal, but this is more of the physical nature. And this is more of a story. My aunts had uh, a couple camps at a park. A lot of people would come to this park and they would put trailers, park models here and, and create permanent camps that they would come and, and spend the summer at or, or what have you. My aunts had a couple of these camps side by side, and we would go there and spend weekends in the summer uh, with my aunts and my family. It was uh, quite the gathering place for my family. It's in a little town in Warren County in Pennsylvania, a little town called Titiute, which is Iroquois for protrusion of land due to the, the uh, sharp bend in the Allegheny River. And these camps were right on the Allegheny River. One summer, we were we were spending a weekend there. I remember it wasn't long into our stay that uh, my dad and and some of my relatives were talking about listening to the radio, and that there was a sighting in the water. They weren't sure what it was. It was some sort of creature, uh, something akin to maybe a serpent. Uh, a sea serpent. I, I think I heard one of my uh, relatives explain it. And, you know, it was okay because uh, there's a dam further up the river. It, it was behind that, the sightings, and uh, there was nothing to worry about. As the time we spent there progressed, they, they talked about reports of this serpent, this creature 
actually getting through the dam somehow and coming down the river. There were some sightings here and there, uh, which added a, a level of tension for us kids because we spent a lot of time playing in the river. Uh, sometimes the river was very deep and, and fast and you really didn't want to play in it. Uh, sometimes the river was so low that you could walk practically across it. Uh, this was one of those times where it wasn't it wasn't too deep and it wasn't too low. I mean, you could probably, uh, as an adult, probably walk uh, all the way across without it getting much further than your chest. Uh, for for a kid like me who was uh, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere around there, and, and a little bit of a short kid, I, you know, it's not anything I would go out that far. But you know, when you play closer to shore. Uh, we had fun playing there, looking for salamanders and crayfish and things like that. And so there was some cause for concern for us kids as we're hearing these reports that our, our parents were hearing from the radio as this, this creature, something, and nobody could really explain what it was, was making its way down the Allegheny River. And then one night, we're around the fire, as we usually did, uh, we would create a big bonfire in one of the fire pits at uh, one or my other aunt's place and everyone would pull up a chair and we'd sit in a ring around this fire and and usually my one aunt aunt nub would would regale us with with bizarre tales ghost stories stories that she heard from the national Enquirer, uh, panther stole a baby that sort of thing just uh, fascinated me as a child listening my her, my aunt's name is Berdetta, but they always called her nub growing up so she just became aunt nub and uh you know one of my favorite aunts she would always have just the most amazing stories to tell us kids and i could sit there and listen to her uh, tell stories these fantastical stories of of uh, bizarre and wondrous things uh, I could listen to her tell them nonstop. I probably drove her nuts asking her to tell me more stories, uh, ghost stories and stories of the bizarre of the bizarre and the the unexplained. We were probably sitting there listening to her tell one of these stories, and my father decided, you know what, he's gonna he's gonna pull the car up. We had an old silver Ford station wagon. And he always kept a spotlight because he was a deer hunter and always liked to go a spotting deer. Well, he had a spotlight in his car, so he pulls the car down to the water's edge of the Allegheny River, gets the spotlight out, and it was a, an eerie sort of night. The water was calm. There was a mist on the water that just added to the, the eeriness of the stories Aunt Nub was telling. And my father pulled out his spotlight and began spotting the water. You know, you could see the, the black water underneath the, the hazy white mist that lay upon it. And then all of a sudden, the spotlight hit something. And all you saw were these two large glowing eyes through the mist in the water, about halfway out the river. And then this horrible god awful guttural scream roar there was thrashing as something started making its way and as it got closer i could see the shape of this black creature and the 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 light still hitting those eyes and, and the glowing eyes of a creature that, you know, if you've ever spotted animals, you know, you see that glow in the blackness and it's just a terrifying thing. And as this thing's roaring and, and thrashing and making its way up, I got out of my chair and leapt. Uh, legend has it that I leapt over top of this fire uh, and it was a huge bonfire running towards one of the trailers an older cousin of mine grabbed me and told me not to go in and took me back down to to my seat and I, I didn't know what to make of it. None of my parents and none of my relatives were phased by this. What was happening? This creature was coming out of the water and I, I'm sitting in my chair petrified 
at what's happening. And I'm sure somebody's going to protect me. Somebody is going to protect us. Uh, they're going to scare this thing off or, or they're going to fight. And, and all of a sudden this creature comes out of the water and it runs up to my chair, grabs a hold of the sides and tips me back and roars as I see my uncle Bob's face out from under this mask. Now, the thing I didn't know at the time was that my parents and my some of my aunts and uncles went to an auction, probably one of the first nights we were staying there. And at this auction, this is the mid-80s. So you remember those Halloween masks? Uh, they kind of tied to the top of your head and they had a like a big blow-up head that, like I said, sat on top of your head, you tied... And you wore something else underneath it. But they had found some of these masks or these these Halloween costumes. And one just happened to be a like a big black moose head. The head was was black. The antlers were either black or maybe maybe like a fluorescent green. Uh, and it had these reflective eyes on it. And they concocted this story about the sea serpent. And they concocted this scenario where my Uncle Bob was the adventuring type. He was always going up to Canada and going hunting and, he's, you know, scuba diving. And he had a wetsuit, a black wetsuit. And he just so happened to have it there. So he puts this wetsuit on, puts this black mask that ties to the top of his head, this inflatable moose head. And he goes about halfway out into the river for an adult. He, you know, it probably never got more than waist deep. And it just so happened that it was a, uh, a misty night and the, that mist lay on the water perfectly. And when my dad brought that spotlight down, he hit those eyes just right and they lit up. And the rest was as I, as I told it. <laughs> and... And uh, I was never more afraid in my life. And then when I found out that it was all a ruse, uh, I don't know what I thought at the time. I honestly don't. Now, looking back now, I I laugh because that's the kind of stuff that uh, made me who I am today, made me uh, love the bizarre and the unexplained and the monstrous and the, the horrific and the fantastic and the science fiction. Uh, it's that sort of experience that built character in me uh, to become the person that loves those sort of things even more than I already did at the time. But uh, yeah, my Uncle Bob came up and tipped me back in my chair and kind of roared and laughed and... And the relief, I do remember the relief that it wasn't a creature <laughs> that was coming out of the water. It was just my Uncle Bob. Now that story, uh, while not paranormal, uh, did actually happen that way. And that one, I'm sure, even the, the harshest skeptic cannot deny that, uh, that I saw that sea serpent that night. Those are some of the paranormal experiences that I've experienced over the years. Uh, like I said, uh, I don't expect you to believe it. Everything I said is true and happened as I remember it. I don't really have an explanation for a lot of the things that happened, only that they did happen and happened the way I told it. Was it paranormal? Was there a rational, earthly explanation for it? I don't know. I can't answer yes to either of those. But I can say for one thing that's certain, I can't explain and I can't logically explain away any of it. So... Regardless of whether you believe the accounts that I gave you or not, uh, hopefully you enjoyed sitting back and uh, listening to some of my tales of terror from my misspent youth, from my not-too-distant past, and uh, hopefully everyone takes the time to share their frightful experiences. That's what Halloween's about. Halloween's about having fun and being scared, and I hope everyone has a very safe and happy Halloween from us here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Now, coming up, we're getting into November, and we've got a lot of great episodes lined up and ready to go. So much happened in October. 
you know, some of the October things that I wanted to talk about is spilling into November because well, we had a lot of things going on. Of course, uh, coming up on Monday, November the 1st, we're going to recap Creep Show Season 3. Thursday the 4th, we're going to have American Horror Story double feature, The Death Valley, uh, wrapped up here not too, like a week or so ago. We're going to recap that half of the double feature and round out my thoughts on the entire season uh coming up the following week uh, november 8th and 11th shows we're going to talk about antlers uh we'll do a review on that we'll do a review on dune which is out in theaters and on hbo max so uh so a lot of october stuff spilling over into november but that's okay and uh plenty more to go uh, for the rest of November, we're going to have a schedule up uh, as soon as possible on our Facebook fan page. So check it out, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop on Facebook uh, for everything that's going on with the podcast. Also, we're posting, you know, we've got cool memes about uh, different holidays and how they pertain to horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. We've got uh, trailers for all the latest uh, things in regards to horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. I'm always looking for cool articles about the things we're talking about uh, to post there. So uh, check it out. Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop on Facebook. And then uh, leave us a review. Five stars would be awesome. Uh, whatever review you give us, we appreciate it. We thank you for taking the time to listen to Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!